Unless I haven't been paying attention, man, the moon doesn't look normal. You keep the pressure on, correct? We stay until we win, is that right? At the moment, you're under arrest for incitement. Have you guys been following me? We're winning, folks. Okay, we're winning. We're pushing back the dark. You ask simply two questions to find a filthy Freemason de Molay. Where did you go to school? Which primary school? Which high school? And who's your daddy? Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tinfoil Tales. I'm Sauce. And I'm Sandy. Today we're going to talk about anti-vaxxers and their outrageous claims. We'll have a very short look at Canberra. Then we're going to have some fun because I need to make amends for missing the assignment last week. So I've brought my A-game this week, Sandy. Sounds good. I can't wait. (laughs) Uh, Look, to be honest, this isn't my favourite subject. Uh, Not really down with the anti-vaxxers because, you know what, they just don't make me laugh. But Focusing on this faction of the movement was really interesting. Wow, they actually really have had an impact here. Yeah, it's a little bit of a change of gears this week, but we do think it's important that people understand where some of the players in the current movement come from. Some of these people have been very active for a long time and Canberra really just gave them a national platform. So we're going to start with some numbers and they're big numbers that might explain why in 2022 there are people who still believe that vaccines are bad. Anti-vax is an industry, a global industry that generates massive money for the main players. So it's crucial that it can continue to pivot and find new ears. That's how it survives. And it's how people like Andrew Wakefield, Dale Bigtree and Robert Kennedy Jr. keep raking in the coin. And it is coin. A quick Google search reveals what these three guys are worth. Bigtree comes in around 7 million, Wakefield about 14 and RFK Jr. $50 million dollars. But it isn't just these guys that are making money. A report by the Centre for Countering Digital Hate lambasted social media companies for allowing the anti-vaccine movement to remain on their platforms. Accounts held by anti-vaxxers have increased their following by at least 7 to 8 million people since 2019. The report stated the decision to continue hosting known misinformation content left online anti-vaxxers ready to pounce on the opportunity presented by coronavirus. The report noted that 31 million people follow anti-vaccine groups on Facebook, with 17 million people subscribing to similar accounts on YouTube. The CCDH calculated that the anti-vaccine movement could realise US $1 billion in annual revenues for social media firms. So I guess that explains the algorithms. So one could argue that the anti-vax movement has had a huge hand in moving the freedom movement forward and in return that the introduction of the COVID vaccine and the alternative beliefs that surround it have given the anti-vax movement a considerable boost too, which is kind of unfortunate. Whereas prior to all of this, they were seen as a pariah of the community, people who weren't really anyone to take too seriously. Suddenly they had a new audience and a new bunch of freedom fighters they could work their way into by jumping on board the pandemic train. How perfect for them. By instilling fear around the COVID vaccine, they could spread their message against all vaccines. 
They knew a vaccine would be around the corner when SARS-CoV-2 arrived and they went to work. So looking at the anti-vax leaders in the Australian freedom movement, namely the ones who were leading the charge in anti-vax activism prior to the pandemic, it's clear many strategies employed by the anti-vaxxers were used to push the freedom movement narrative too. From rallies, buses, billboards, truth trucks... These were methods the anti-vax movement was using for years, way before the pandemic and the rise of the conspiratorial, soft-sit, right-wing movement we see today. Infamous anti-vaxxer Meryl Dory has a foothold in the freedom movement via her many loyal activist drones. In fact, one of her most popular loyalists is a freedom movement influencer we're going to talk about today, Tristan Van Rye, also known as Tricky Tritty. Tricky has been on the anti-vax train, or should we say bus, since around 2017 when he was approached and interviewed by Meryl Dory's team in regards to what he alleges was his son's vaccine injury at 12 months old. Meryl Dory runs the Australian Vaccination Network and Tricky recalls them telling him that he would end up on the AVN committee one day, and he did. He woke up one morning and looked over at his wife and said he was going to commit to this cause, and with her blessing... Daddy went to war. When the pandemic hit, Tricky founded the People's Revolution and through this group, he has led the Queensland branch of the freedom movement, organising freedom rallies in the parks and streets of Brisbane, spreading his anti-vax, anti-government message far and wide. He stands out as he's quite handsome and looks kind of like a younger version of Michael Jackson. He posts about Tupac a fair bit, so he obviously really likes him because it's weird just how often he does it. He's pretty cool. He's got confidence, the self-resolve of someone who's sure of himself. He's astute, speaks well in front of an audience, and you could almost believe he's a reasonable person who has rational thoughts. But vaccines aren't his only thing. He's also a 9-11 truther. He believes the normal stuff that it was all a setup by those pesky globalists. I actually heard him tell Michael Gray Grift in an interview that he woke up in primary school And then when he was about 11 or 12, his dad took him into a dark room, turned out the lights, lit a candle and told young Tricky to look into the flame. He reckons that he became one with the flame. And that was that, a true believer. Well, non-believer. But Tricky is also a smartass who has had some run-ins with the law over his activism and he is a grifter. He sells merch such as t-shirts and flags and asks for donations. And his donation options are vast. At one point, he was looking for donations to support his legal fees and gave the option of his bank account or Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, Litecoin, Polkadot and Dogecoin. Tricky likes a bit of crypto coin, it looks like, prepping for when we go to digital currency, I guess. But I wonder how his crypto has fared recently. He has a patron where you can contribute $5 per month all the way to $1,000 per month for something called general support, whatever that is. And he needs a lot of it lately. He has been crying a river after the banks terminated their relationship and have asked him to take his business elsewhere. So the donation buckets are very much being handed around the movement as we speak via sad posts of please help our leader out. All currencies accepted. Similar to the Australia Project and RDA Active, Tricky has set up a bit of a network of groups. Everything from community school groups, youth groups, health groups to business owners, industry employee groups, through to political groups to connect his followers to key people and to assist in establishing their own systems. And there's even a group called Nonviolent Guerrilla Activism for the most hardcore of TPR activists. 
I remember in late December last year, a coffee shop in Brisbane who was ignoring directions around masks and vax versus unvax being allowed in the store. And the cops were going to close them down. Tricky put a call out. It was like the 23rd of December. And the next day, there was like 100 people there in an industrial estate standing between the police and the coffee shop. Have a listen to this. We are the people! Okay, Soz, let's talk about Brizzy's truck blockade. Remember back around Karamburua Day, Tones, the trucker, and his mates decided they bloody had enough of vax mandates and it was time to shut the state down? I, I really want to stand by this, but businesses are being shut down across the country, people locked up, people are going broke. And one of the main things here is the, the freedom of choice with this vaccine, whether whether you're pro or or against, you know, it should be up to the person's choice. And um, my choice, I'm someone that does a bit of research and I'll probably cop flack from this in the comments. But from what I've seen with my my research with, with credible scientists and, and doctors and that type of stuff, I do not want to get this vaccine. I, I am more scared of the vaccine than the virus. And honestly, it scares the living hell out of me. So they hit the road early, live streaming, of course, and they finally get to the spot that they wanted to block. The video of this is pretty funny. They pull up on the freeway, but there's only a couple of them, so the cars are just going around. They've moved up the freeway a bit and manoeuvre themselves to block it off. Then you start to hear other trucks on the radio saying, what are you doing? Then Tone says, join in, boys, and the trucks are just driving past them. Mummy Pauline was on site and I think I saw teeny Malcolm there, but it might have been a witch's hat. She has a chat and then fully tells them off because there's a horse float further back and it's a hot day. Here's what the news had to say about it, as well as one of the blokes involved was backed up for kilometres. They say they are not anti-vaxxers, but they are pro-choice, so they don't want to have to have vaccinations to continue their job as truck drivers. They also want the borders to open. There was a big police presence here, though, and police have told us those two truck drivers are now facing thousands of dollars in fines. Bon? So, um, unfortunately, I got the big banger on the news this morning something that I didn't quite want to be singled out with. But, um, you know, as I said in a couple of videos ago, that um, if I come across a um, protest blockade that I would support them. Um, and I did this morning. It didn't go to clean uh, because I guess there's a lot of people that are that just sayers and not doers. Um, I backed them as much as I could. Uh, cop several fines. Don't worry about the fines. <laughs> I can, I can deal with those. But um, you know, the boys had all the good intentions in place uh, to not not screw up anyone's day or get anyone caught in in a blockade that they didn't want to get caught in. Um, I've got some footage there of of of, of how it initiated and. Um, the way that they were trying to divide the traffic to get to get off on the exit and go around the actual blockade itself. Um, shot, obviously, shortly after the police arrived, then just completely fucked the whole situation up. 
Tricky recorded a live that night to set the record straight. So the truckies had told him that they had 35 trucks confirmed and that they were all carrying enough food to last them for three weeks. He'd also been told there would be two federal police there in uniform to support them and six in plain clothes. There were no police. And the three-week blockade lasted one hour. He was as flat as a shit carter's hat. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. He did get a little bit of insight into Pauline, though. Now, Pauline Hanson and One Nation were there today. They were there, in my opinion, to get a vote from both sides of the fence. All right? They were there on behalf of the truckies and apparently the Australian people, and they stood there and said, we're behind you, and this has to stop, and that has to stop, and this is rubbish, and that's rubbish. They said their piece on camera. They got the airtime. Then they turned around and told the truckies to move the truck because uh, you, you now have to let the good Australian people get to work now. You've held them up for an hour. Your point's been made. Move the trucks on. He felt that he had staked his own reputation on this based on the word of Tones and his mate Mick. You could tell this really irritated him as most of his stuff happens without a hitch. And then mummy Pauline just let him down even more. So I asked Pauline if it was possible that COVID-19 is the tool being used to implement the creation of a society built on total control and surveillance. And she said that's a conspiracy and she doesn't want to get into it. That probably should have clued him in that she wasn't completely on board other than the blatant obvious fact that she's a career politician. He didn't really have much sympathy for the horse in the trailer stuck in traffic either. After all, it was the horse's owner's fault for not knowing Tricky's blockade was going ahead. Apparently there's a story about a horse float was the reason why uh, the trucks had to move out the way. Now, how long was the horse in a float for? Was it 45 minutes in the blockade maybe? Since when does a horse die having to stand up in a horse float? If, if the horse floats are so bad for them, maybe don't put them in the fucking things to begin with, sorry. Even a horse in a horse trailer had no right to stand in his way. So that day didn't pan out well, but Tricky has better success at his rallies. He regularly pulls a bit of a crowd. He did well at his Stop the Bill protest back in March. But I do find his marches have more of a vibrant and jubilant vibe than the Melbourne ones, biggest difference is that they aren't there to clash with the police and maybe I haven't paid enough close enough attention but I haven't witnessed them mocking the other citizens who are watching as they march past. He runs his protests very different to Melbourne and let's face it Melbourne ones are not always the most well organised but he uses his websites to allow people to volunteer for different roles. He has marshals, face painters, all of them. Tammy Jane is planning a revolution in Melbourne around the end of October and it appears Tricky, who has been inspired recently by the protests in Sri Lanka, where his family is from, could be on board with promoting this event for his Queensland followers to join in also. We eagerly wait to see what happens there. One last thing on Tricky. I'm going to play a clip that I actually just saw a couple of days ago from an interview with Michael Gray Grift and I think it gives amazing insight into how these guys actually see themselves. You know... The fact of the matter is it's war. Yeah. We need to win this war. Yeah. Strategy needs to be applied. So if we see things that need to be done, we need to do it. Simple as that. And, you know, people's sort of own personal feelings and emotions and egos sort of need to be put in check a bit here and realise that, you know, none of this is for us. I couldn't give a shit. I couldn't give a shit about what people think about me. You know, people call me a prophet and people call me a dickhead. Both of those terms go straight off my back mm. doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't it, neither of those bother me either way because mm. I'm not here for that I get called Moses <laughs> I can see it <laughs> I can see it <laughs> but yeah end of the day 
you know, they say things like, you're gonna go down the history books. If I spend my day worrying about if I'm a prophet or a dickhead or if I'm gonna go, go down in the history books, I'm gonna be too caught up with that mm. and not focusing the direction that we need to go in. Yeah. So you need to stay clear-minded, yeah. focus on, on the task at hand and get on with it and worry about the other stuff later. Yeah. Another popular anti-vax leader with a similar story to Tricky is Michael Sims, a.k.a. Mycophobic. Tricky Tritty and Mycophobic, strange nicknames. Mycophobic, I hear you ask. Well, I'm free. No jab, no pay, no flight, no way. Fighting like I do every freedom day. Hope for the hopeless, voice for the voiceless. My body, my child, I'll make the choices. One day the government will listen to our voices. And I can finally smile while everyone rejoices. Science doesn't lie, politicians do. Make us get the vaccines, how we get the flu. Science doesn't lie, but you can't tell the truth. Doesn't take much for you to find the proof. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but vaccines can't destroy me. You can't force that crap on me to make me your employee. Side effects are not as rare as you think. Like an iceberg to Titanic, they can make you just sink. So think, you do you, and I'll just do me and stay free. I don't want no V A C C I N E. I am free. So it looks like we've got another rapper. My favorite line is the sticks and stones may break my bones, but vaccines can destroy me. Oh dear. The accompanying video clip is funny too. A montage of all the freedom influences are in there. I guess this song was meant to be an anthem for the movement. The song was written by Vanessa Valentine, who attends the protest and has vlogged about her drug addiction issues and recovery. She has pivoted to discussing these social issues as the COVID stuff started to wrap up a bit. And look, good on her, and I hope she continues to stay sober and do well and keep her music up. Michael also claims his son was vaccine injured at 12 months, causing autism. Mike became an advocate against vaccines prior to COVID alongside Taylor Winterstein, who you may know from Tay's Way, and was a staunch follower of Samoan healer Edwin Temesis. Listeners, you may or may not have heard about the measles outbreak in Samoa at the end of 2019, but Samoa had seen a drastic fall in MMR vaccinations in 2018 due to human error when administering vaccinations to two 12-month-old babies resulting in their deaths. The nurses mixed the vaccination powder with expired anaesthetic and were subsequently both found guilty and sentenced to five years in jail. Prior to this, vaccination rates were reported to be around 90%, but trust in vaccination declined after the deaths of the two babies, which is kind of understandable. But also, due to opportunistic visits to the island by none other then Robert Kennedy Jr. and Taylor Winterstein, who were there to support Samoan healer Edwin Temesis and spread their anti-vax and vitamin-pushing beliefs far and wide. By the time measles turned up via a sports team arriving home from overseas, only 30% of babies and children were vaccinated. This low vaccination rate caused a state of emergency and over 80 deaths, mostly in babies and children. Back in Australia, rooting for Taylor and Edwin was Michael Sims, declaring online that the deaths were from the vaccines the authorities were now urgently administering to bring the outbreak back into control. It's not the measles, he insisted. It's the vaccines killing all these babies. Sound familiar? God, they're gross. Taylor Winterstein likened it to Nazi Germany and said the vaccine regime was crimes against humanity and the Nuremberg Code. 
Remember, this is before COVID, where we see the same accusations all over the freedom movement. It's just recycle and repeat. They wanted to treat those babies with vitamins, and because the authorities didn't allow them to, they claimed that this was why they died. Where have we heard this argument being made recently? Michael Sims even made mention of sudden adult death syndrome when this was all happening, pre-COVID. Yet that was supposed to be a new thing, remember? The media invented it to cover up the genocide from the COVID vaccines, right? Just looks like another claim recycled and repeated. Which leads us to believe that the anti-vax movement has had a big hand in creating the freedom movement we see today. So Michael founded Billions March Against Mandatory Vaccines with Mary Jane Lidicote and led the freedom protests in Canberra and in Sydney with Yusra Rose. They had a huge Facebook group too until it got booted off. I'm just going to take a second and do my own conspiracy theory here around Mary Jane. There's a bit of a belief that Mary Jane's a spy. Uh, She worked for a long time for the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade and she actually held diplomatic uh, positions in Tokyo, Seoul and Syria. There's photos of her with different PMs. She used to own the bar that politicians in Canberra frequent. She's got some very dubious connections with some business leaders overseas. So, I mean, I don't know. Sounds a little bit suspicious to me too. (laughs) But back to Mike. He's worked with Reclaim the Line, Romeo Georges, the Wintersteins and hosted the likes of Ricardo Bossi and Serene Tefaha. Ever present by his side is also Alona Lan from the Informed Medical Options Party, which was founded by anti-vaxxer Michael O'Neill. At the beginning, he was much like many other organisers, doing weekly lives with freedom influencers like Max Egan, Romeo Georges and Millie Fontana. His Canberra rallies didn't really see much of a turnout as Canberra as a community has always been well vaccinated and hard to recruit from. He really thrived when he joined the Sydney rallies mostly. There was one rally in Sydney where Simeon Boykov raised the ire of Romeo Georges, who believed that he had created a stunt with the police to take the shine off Mike's event. Around August, September last year, Mick was brought into the inner circle of the people actively talking about doing something in Canberra. We touched on this in episode one, but a quick recap. There's a group of people involved in an offline meeting. That group included Romeo Georges, Luke Simpson, Danny Searle, members from the original Sovereign Tribal Federation and the People's Treaty, as well as some others. Given Mick's presence in Canberra, I would suggest that he was also at this meeting. By December, the first Canberra protest was underway and Mick became a familiar face. He gave his social media platform over to Buddy Shillingsworth and was there every day filming from the camp, their interactions with the police, and more importantly, nighty lives where Camp Makara could spread their message. We all know what happened down there and that most of the pieces of vision that we've all watched were more than likely filmed by Mick. He then played a pivotal role in Convoy to Canberra, helping them source staging, acting as a welcoming committee, but then using his contacts to get guest speakers happening. But it wasn't all sunshine and lollipops for Mick. He's fundamentally about vaccines, so all the constant banging on about pedophiles really started to annoy him. It was not long after this that Michael cracked the shits with all the egos in the movement and he quit. Just a quick message to explain my pure disgust in Reclaim the Line, the People's Revolution and Australian Freedom Rally. I'm highly disappointed in myself for agreeing to unite with these people, thinking that together we could put on the most epic event around the country a week out from the election and people would know who they, who, what freedom party they'd vote for after leaving the rally. Um, Obviously some major egos have been involved and don't want regional places to have events because they want everyone to go to the city. 
I feel 100 or 1,000 people traveling two hours, an hour and a half to get to a major event will make no difference either way. That's not going to get you the victory, but local communities and regional centers really matter and should be allowed to have the whole, their own event. So for all you that think, you know, your ego is more important about having a bigger crowd, an extra 100 people rather than a local community center and local regional place doing their own event, you're not in this for the right reasons and yeah. So where is he now? Michael recently discussed on a live that he was living in a tent, although by the looks of things, he's a bit of a hapless camper as he is a bit afraid of bugs and frogs that keep making their way into his tent, so he mostly sleeps in his car. He has continued to follow the path of sovereignty and is with a group in Gympie. He has again handed over his MMAMV Australia Facebook page to the cause and they are running a weekly live to his audience to teach people how to stand in their sovereignty and become free men and women and incorporate themselves from the government. The group he is with have connections back to Makata and in turn to both the Shillingsworths and also the People's Treaty. It feels a bit lost to me. It's like he's really evaluating his life and looking for purpose. I don't know if he's actually homeless. Um but he has quit his life as he knew it. He lost his job in disability because of his unvaccinated status and admits that he no longer sees his son. His son's mother has stated that they had received threats locally and that it was no longer safe for his son to be around his father and his activism, which is a bit sad. Yeah. It was at this point that Michael decided to become a free man living in his sovereignty with the sovereigns. Another disturbing story that connects these two and also our third anti-vax figurehead who we will discuss next is the story of Chase Walker-Stevens. Chase is a child born with spastic quadriplegic cerebral palsy, which his mum vehemently believes is as a direct result of the vitamin K shot that he received within hours of his birth. There's a really big saga around him, his anti-vax parents, the hospital system back in 2017, which saw anti-vax lawyer, and we use that term loosely, Peter Liddell insert himself into the story to advocate, and again we use that term loosely, for Chase and his parents, helping them run away with Chase and seek shelter in a cult called the Church of Ubuntu. That story deserves an episode of its own, but the Church of Ubuntu are crazy staunch believers in the power of CBD oil and hemp oil and wanted to treat Chase using these alternatives. In fact, the leaders at the time were in court just a week or so ago trying to prove that the child protection laws are just there to allow the government to traffic children. We'll try to bring that story to you in a future episode soon. But Tricky, Mike and Peter Little were supporters of Chase's parents with Tricky dedicating a rally he organised as the Free Chase Rally in June 2017. Chase's story has been used by anti-vax influencers to push their narrative and, in our opinion, exploit for their own agenda. Unfortunately, it feels many of these children with disabilities have been exploited. I always get the feeling that they think their kids are less than once they get a diagnosis of autism. They talk about their kids as before and after, and they always use the word damaged. And I just find it like offensive and and, and just gross, to be honest. Yeah, it really is. You pointed that out to me while we were doing this. And yeah, you're so right. It's just deplorable. But let's take a look, a bit more of a look at anti-vax lawyer Peter Little and his connection with Chase Vaxed and the freedom movement. Brief background on Peter Little is that he became interested and involved with natural medicine when he got divorced in 2008. And as a totally random fact, bought a property off Kylie Minogue on French Island, Victoria. 
Here, Peter grew comfrey and created an oil from the plant to use as fertiliser. This is where it appears his belief system first came up against authorities when it was determined that comfrey oil was a poison if ingested, which he disputed and claimed corruption was at play against a plant that he believed had potential healing qualities. I guess this was Peter's first conspiracy theory. So Peter was a little bit, and I say little, and I mean little, bit of a commercial lawyer back in his heyday. And then he went on to do fund management before training racehorses down on the Mornington Peninsula. That was before he got his divorce and started growing his comfrey plants. He even sponsored the Commonwealth Games team at one point. This is where it appears his belief in alternative wellness collided with his legal background. And he went on to advocate as a lawyer for natural medicine practitioners and wellness clinics, founding his group Fight Pharma Corruption. From here, though, he claimed he worked pro bono and asked for donations to support his work. Grifting was conducted before COVID too, it seems. I don't know why he didn't just ask the naturopaths he was working for to support him financially, but it appears it didn't do so well. Fight Pharma Corruption Group was closed before COVID hit, and this was the beginning of a decline for Peter financially and mentally, which we will save for future episodes. So Peter went from comfrey oil to CBD oil and jumped on board the Chase Walker train, inserting himself into that drama along with many others, creating his next grift, the Chase Truth Group, which he talks about often even today. Chase Truth has some apparent links to Simon Florini, who is an anti-vax activist with AVN and had his chiropractic license suspended for promoting his anti-vax views and using his clinic to air the Vaxed documentary. Peter has campaigned hard against the vitamin K jab, against chemtrails, weather geoengineering. He believes that polio vaccines can give you cancer and now COVID vaccines. The anti-vax network at play here is quite vast and intricate. Pete is always dressed in a suit and carrying a briefcase full of pseudo-legal documents that he has drafted. He networks well within the freedom movement. He's always up the front at speeches, forging alliances with other figureheads such as Jackie Dundee until he found her annoying, Therese Van Lyshout while she proclaimed she was the Governor General, Matt Lawson, Jeff O'Toole, and then forging ties with the camera crew. But Pete is another example of how these radical beliefs can upturn a life and the decline in his personal life and mental health has been drastic. Remember how everyone called the freedom movement anti-vaxxers and they all got mad about that? Well, there is some real truth to it when you think about it. The movement is vastly anti-vax, the true anti-vaxxers. They need to own that and quit kidding themselves. Even Monica Smith has come out claiming to be a proud anti-vaxxer in an attempt to take the power back from the word being used as a derogatory term. But the anti-vaxxers have fueled the freedom movement, networked within it and grown their audience from it. So we are most certainly going to hear and see more from them in the future. I mean, the return of diphtheria is just the beginning. This isn't about who's right and who's wrong. This is about saving lives. 80% of women who are pregnant who get the vaccine lose their babies. This isn't a joke anymore. This isn't about pointing fingers. This is just about getting the truth out. And we will keep driving this truck until Australians realise that the COVID vaccine is not safe. As if everything we brought up today didn't already demonstrate just how dangerous these groups are, we wanted to bring your attention to what happens when anti-vax and conspiracy collides. This is where we go from the sad to the downright strange. 
The intro to this segment was Monica Smith standing outside her truth truck, making the unbelievable and downright incorrect claim that 80% of pregnant women who get vaccinated lose their babies. Remember the 5G and tracking via nanoparticles claims that went around early in the pandemic? Here's Melbourne freedom fighter Matt Lawson explaining graphene oxide in the vaccines and the effect of 5G. Okay. My thought processes. You know there's graphene oxide in the jabs? There's graphene oxide in the liquid. Graphene oxide is what they want to use to get nanobot type technology into people's bodies. But graphene oxide is also the best conductor of 5G. Yeah? So 5G doesn't travel very well. It doesn't travel very far. So if they're dropping graphene oxide through these chemtrails and they're putting it in all the jabs, you will end up being a transmitter for these 5G networks. I know it. I don't talk about it on my normal day-to-day at all. And I don't post about it because I'll get taken down. But 100% this graphene oxide is going to do it. But our conspiracist characters have gone from 5G in 2020 all the way to considering the possibilities of Bluetooth being emitted from the graves of the vaccinated. We just wanted to talk a little bit about this Bluetooth uh, code being emitted. As we've spoken before, people have been doing the, the Bluetooth challenge and they're, they're bringing pe- people's bodies are emitting Bluetooth codes or they call them MAC addresses. So it's a unique code. And this is a real phenomenon that's been going on. But there's also groups of people that are going to grave sites and they're able to get the Bluetooth codes coming up from the graves. Two of, meters in the ground. Yeah, two meters down in the ground. Bluetooth codes are coming up from the bodies of the deceased vaccinated. I was on with with Dr. Astrid Stuckelberger and told me about this, and I couldn't find uh, the the actual experiments that had taken place. She said that long long after people had passed, that the Bluetooth codes were emitting from their bodies. And she said, what does that mean in terms of sending Bluetooth codes to the deceased? She went so far as to say, are we going to see a zombie apocalypse? (laughs) I mean, I'm not laughing at her. I'm laughing at the absurdity of the fact that we are considering these possibilities. And we have to. Zombies. I mean, Maria's not wrong. They've made so many leaps and bounds around why the vaccine is so bad. To them, nothing is in the realm of impossible anymore. Which brings me to my favourite. Now, this isn't an Australian freedom influencer and doctor, but these two are definitely red-pilling Maria Z, who is bringing these kinds of theories into the discussion here in Australia. Stu Peters and Dr. Carrie Marday discussing her apparent disturbing findings after viewing Moderna vaccine under the microscope. Uh, They wanted me to examine contents of a vial that they had just received. Um, This vial was fresh. It it had already been used to be injected into at least one patient um, because it was the end of the day. They were going to discard it, so they were able to um, get the vial. And this particular vial was Moderna. These fibers were appearing more and more. Um, Some of the fibers had a little uh, cube structure on that. I'm not sure what that was. 
and also uh, metallic fragments were in there. They were not metallic fragments. I'm used to seeing more exotic. Uh, they were very opaque, as well as um, you know, as the edge of the cover slide goes, so the cover slip, when you put a glass partition on that or a piece on top of the glass slide, there are edges. And so all the particulates, all these colors started to move to the edge and there was self-assembling going on. Things were growing, um, you know, they looked synthetic. Um, and then there was one uh, particular, I'd say object or organism, I'm not sure what to call it, that had um, tentacles coming from it. And it was able to lift itself up off of the cover, I'm sorry, off of the, the glass slide. It, it was, was alive? The like the, the thing was alive? It, it appeared to, yeah, it appeared to have be self-aware or be able to grow or move in space. I mean, all I can tell you is this is not something they taught us in medical school, nothing in my laboratories, um, nothing that I've seen before. And I've showed this to other people in the field and they don't know what it is either. And I thought when I first saw this and I kept looking at it over and over again, I had a colleague with me and um, we both thought, wow, this, this almost appears like it's self-aware, like it, it knows we're watching it. Good grief, Stu. There have been all kinds of accusations about the vaccine, from it turning your blood black, causing AIDS, shedding to the unvaccinated, causing them to bleed and have miscarriages. Anti-vax doctor Naomi Wolf claimed recently that breastfed babies are struggling to thrive, feeding from vaccinated mothers, and that one baby died. Then there were the claims that magnets would stick to needle sites after the COVID vaccine. We've all seen those videos. Those videos are ridiculous. Recently, Danny Cerro gave advice to his unvaxxed audience on how they can safely have sex with vaccinated people and avoid taking in spike proteins. The advice included washing and taking lots of vitamins. Yuck. That was, <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> that was so gross. <laughs> but these people are so scared to get vaccinated that they have real anxiety around being vaccinated against their will, such as shedding or being vaccinated from the planes in the sky to pepper spray at protests containing the vaccine. And these influencers feed into it by airing this kind of stuff on their alternative platforms, of course. When I brought up Dr. Talbron, it was for a reason. This guy said, Dr. Artis, I don't know how you figured this out on your own or came to this conclusion, but you're 100% right. They are mass vaccinating people with venom around the world, 5 billion people, but the die-off hasn't even started yet. Remember, he prevents bio-warfare mass killings. That's his job. He said what's coming next is the scariest thing, and maybe this is why God told you to bring this to light. This is what he thinks. He told me, he goes, right now I can go online and I can buy aerosolized king cobra venom that I can just spray in the air. He said, uh, that what they're gonna do is they're gonna go into subway trains, airplanes, motels, schools, and they're gonna start spraying King Cobra venom in the air. The people who have the vaccines already, their lungs, when they inhale this venom, is gonna have this immune reaction because it already has this snake venom in their body and it's gonna overreact to the King Cobra. And they, he said, they're gonna release this aerosolized next. And what's going to happen is the lungs of only the vaccinated 
are going to crystallize and scar tissue into pulmonary fibrosis. Their lungs will turn to cartilage and they will die. That's the next phase. And then ironically, separate from him, a woman, a doctor yesterday said in a, a, a similar or connected group chain of uh, texting, said, we already know that they can aerosolize separately. She goes, we already have, you buy King Cobra venom in a can, you can just spray it. And they're releasing it from airplanes. This is what she said. And they're gonna release it in chemtrails from airplanes. And this is how they're gonna kill masses of vaccinated people. The snake venom idea didn't fully take off, even though Maria Z is entertaining the possibility on her show. But what Dr. Artis is trying to do here is tie in his theory to the broad belief that there is geoengineering happening and mass vaccinated people are going to die. And that is the plan that the deep state have for the new world order. They are waiting for the mass die off of vaccinated people, which is why every celebrity death or death that's in the news is a vaccine death and why they get so excited about it. And ultimately, to finish it all off, the deep state will then liquidate all those vaccinated dead bodies and turn us into fertilizer for the elite's crops. So there you go. They really have thought of it all. It's an end-to-end process. We could go on and on. The current thing going around at the moment is biostructures in vaccinated corpses and structures in vaccinated blood that light up when a mobile phone is nearby. And there'll be more stories to come as these people have bet their lives on this coming true for them, quite literally, actually. But when you look at all the theories they have made along the way, it really is clear that these guys have overcooked the goose. And we should definitely be thinking twice before we consider taking the advice of the freedom fighter in our lives or the ones that we see on the internet. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about Canberra. So it's been a couple of days since Drop the Plates, Expose the 28th, and I'm feeling a little bit ripped off, if I was being completely honest. First of all, where were Kane and Alana? I assumed that we would have a live version of the song, but they couldn't even be bothered rocking up. Uh, All Kane did was put a photo of his car that said Sovereign Traveller or something on his number plate, like just a car parked. It's not even him, you know, sort of sitting in a cop saying he doesn't comply. I don't, like, it was just rubbish. It was just such a bloody letdown. I can't believe it. Up in Canberra, there was like eight of them took their plates off in the bloody car park. And took they were all literally lying in the sun, not even driving. Oh, I was ask, Only like, one was brave. Were they no not one around? was brave enough. No, <laughs> no, one was brave enough to drive. That was Ross, and he got issued a fine, and he just bloody accepted their fine. Like he didn't. It was a waste. Well, maybe of time. the others aren't silly. They know if I just drive around. It'd be I don't pointless. know. <laughs> and then Mark Mack had made like little cardboard uh, number plate covers that said "Expose the 28. and then on their convoy. He's telling them, if you don't want to cover your plates, just put it on the bloody back parcel shelf in your car. Like, I don't know. Didn't I don't know. Sing? But what I do Didn't know. did Mark sing or something, sing a song yeah. and he made up his own words? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. He always likes to <laughs> sing. Um, but one thing I can guarantee you right now, the 28 are pissing themselves laughing at them. Yeah. I reckon in the lead up, maybe there was a group text, a WhatsApp, you know, where they were going, oh, oh, jigs up, they've got us, we're in trouble after the 2nd of the 8th when they all put these plates up and now they're they just laughing at them. They live to see another day. Oh, is that bloody disappointed? <laughs> and Daz, Daz made his way in there, not by car, by train. Oh, so I don't know what he was going to do with these cardboard plates. 
Good he did. Up. He did. He got the train. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So it was, yeah, they just continued to let me down week after week. Uh, but that's it. I don't have anything else from Canberra because it's just more of the same from them at the moment, standing by. Yeah, they're not really accomplishing much. They're not. They've become a joke. They should go home. How do you feel about being called a tinfoil hat category? I know how I feel about it, especially when I got dozens of freaking recordings to tell you that I'm not wearing no tinfoil hat. Okay, here we go. Here we go. So last week, or sorry, last show, I really did let the team down. I didn't do my homework. I felt bad. I tried to bullshit my way through with asking Sandy who her favorite and who her least favorite was. It's okay. Was. It still turned out. So I've decided. Right. It, was it was good fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided uh, today I am going to revisit what could be the actual best day of my okay, life. Okay. So I'm going to have to click on these. And it was such a good day that there's more than one clip. All right. I'm Let's ready. Go. Here we go. Sack them all. Get them out. It's going to be a long day today, Daniel. I think I can see that the host has perhaps joined. Pretty important to meet all participants, host. So what, what what you're listening to is the day the day in Martyrford back in late December 2021 <laughs> when Dan Andrews was being charged with misprision of okay. treason. And the noise that you're hearing is the idiots all jumping on to the WebEx. So that's all it is. I did go back through my Twitter feed. Because I do, I did remember doing a thread on this, and I'm just, go, I'm just going to read you what my tweet said. They are getting very angry now. This is unacceptable. We're here for something important. A chew. <laughs> Someone sneezed. Mute your mic, dickhead. Eric is now talking about someone's finances. Mute Eric. Mute your mic. Can anyone else hear the beeping? Hello, hello. Is this Dan Andrews' case? And it went on and on and on like that for for fifteen minutes. I swear to God, I nearly died on this day. From like I couldn't breathe. I was just laughing so hard. So I need to set the scene because I, I actually went back and rewatched it, and I did not realize that Mark Mack was actually there ah. that day singing. Brian Shaw, obviously was already there. Uh, Brian ran through just all the other people that he'd charged. So it's, you know, I've, I've kept it to the names that we might know. Uh, Dan Andrews, Julia Gillard, Shane Patton, Victoria Place, Sally Cap, Tom Morris from the AEC, Jill Hennessy, Rob Hulls, and the entire Labour Party. So it, it's, a, it's a long list. Um but a few other things happened that <laughs> happened that day as well. So, Sandy, can you open the second one? Yeah. And then, here. Uh, tell me, 
tell me what 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 you what you All think right, of this one. We the people are not happy. I don't know what happened there. Sorry. Oh, it's Peter Little talking. We the people are not happy. There's police. That's that's Daisy Freeman being arrested. So we're oh, going on. Sorry, it's getting a bit loud. They're <laughs> <laughs> going off. Oh, okay. So this guy's being um, dragged away. <laughs> Correct. So that's Daisy. Uh, Joel and Jack spoke about him and Substance versus the Man not that long ago. So Daisy, Daisy was there to support, but Daisy also had an outstanding uh, warrant for sexual oh. assault. So oh, no. <laughs> so the police, the police picked him up oh, on the day, which was just mag, just magnificent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the next one I think is. Pete Little v. The Police. Oh, okay, I'm just bringing this one up now. I'm just going to hit a few buttons here. <laughs> Hang on a second. Just downloading. Here we go. <laughs> Open. Four. I, okay, so right. what my argument is, yep. if we are no longer a Commonwealth, we're a corporation. You are, yes. Can someone be charged with truth? Well, the politicians... <laughs> you should you should be you should be directed public prosecutions in argue the case. okay yeah so he's got a copper here who's made a really good point correct correct so in in one sentence that cop just completely undid their like their it. whole theory i loved it i loved it before that he was actually like but if we're not part of the commonwealth why are we still allowed to participate in the commonwealth oh things? right yeah right and, and and pete didn't get it but then when he did that one and he's like He's like, but if we're not part of the Commonwealth and we are a corporation, then how can you be done for treason? And you can actually almost hear the cogs <laughs> turning in Pete's brain. Yeah, he had no comeback. <laughs> no, <laughs> no this, la- this last okay. one, we will we'll actually <laughs> we'll put this video in the um, oh, shit okay. post. Oh, hang on. <laughs> because see why. <laughs> you have to, you have to okay. see it. So... <laughs> Yeah, this is fun. All right, here we go. Yeah, open. One year, yeah, they're a bit worried about his. Oh, well, yeah. So tell me quickly, and then I need to go back in the room and cry. Okay, so I remember this time. The lady's got a QR code fine. And she's telling us about it. So this lady, she's telling us. And this this video. To me, just summed up the entire day. Like, this day was chaos. I can't tell you how chaotic it was. Pete Little was running around all day. He was over at the court. He was in the school hall where they were set up. It was like a war room. It was wild. But this lady is actually the mother of two AFL footballers. This is a Sam and Ben Reed's mum. So, if I could pick a day to relive of my, <laughs> my life, it would be this day i have never seen anything like it there was such yeah. a big crowd there and that it, it was it was chaos it was wild and i loved every it's second so of good it. when you get um well, i guess like the more senior of the uh 
movement who cannot work their phones and do stuff like that. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to put that on the shit posting. That's so funny. The thing was, <laughs> to see. like, it then stayed on, like, for a whole, like, time after that. And Pete was doing, like, full lawyer legalese talks. And he was a wizard, and oh my god, I was dead. I was dead. I don't know. I don't know how I'm still here today because I actually died. <laughs> you died a on couple that of times day. that day. <laughs> That's good. Gee, we've had some really good, funny stuff that have happened while watching all of this. Anyway, so this is Jeannie. I did reach out to them first before using this clip and they are delighted to have us share this moment with you all, which was a highlight for them also. Well, you know, I think it's things that you don't need to have been vaccinated. It doesn't have to be a, a healing practice. It can, uh, like when you've actively been damaged, but you can do it as just a, as almost a preventative measure, as almost a spiritual kind of armour to get your, your lymphatic system kind of uh, uh, prepped, not just for, for potential COVID or for any any uh, vaccine shedding that you might you might come across, but just as a, I like to think of it as kind of spiritual health armor if you just if you're just stroking more often so if, if you want to do it now with me just like breathe in and, and you and you breathe out and you just kind of focus your mind on 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 that healing and just just stroke just stroke as as often as you can and just just think of of all of the all the toxins just leaving your body having a good stroke down down your arms and, mm. and down, 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 down your legs near 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 your groin where your lymph where your lymph nodes are. You'll notice that they, you know, sometimes when you get really dis, uh, distressed or when your chakras aren't properly aligned, you can just just give them a good stroke because it gets all of the toxins out. And and you know this is something that we can really do together to I think build that kind of spiritual connectedness and that solidarity, just just really having a good stroke together. So I'm, I'm going <laughs> to let someone else have... have uh, can you show uh, a few things to the chat? Yeah, which, which one is this? Um, that's a new voice. I don't know that voice. Jean, uh, if you don't mind me intruding, uh, I have no knowledge in the holistic science world. Uh, and undoubtedly, we're all aware of the uh, chicken and produce shortages in Australia right now. I have this working theory that with all the estrogen being pumped into the chickens, uh, and despite us having uh, the shortage, oh, you know, how would feeding, the holistic approach... All the soy. Yeah, they, they are. And uh, by doing that, in, inadvertently, they are reducing the size of, uh, dare I say, genitalia uh, in children. Um, I think we're all very worried about about the, the about the, the the children and and the and the and the chickens and you know it's funny you say that but you know if you have if you I don't I don't eat chicken myself it too too many toxins in 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 the in the mainstream in in the the factory farmed meat but you know um, maybe it's a good thing that they're kind of in in short supply right now because. Uh, you know, unless you've got your own chickens and you can really give them a good stroke to get all the toxins out, uh, you know, if they've been around you know, other vaccinated chickens, it, it's uh, it's really it's really time consuming to try to give your chickens a good stroke. Oh, man, know? this is a no new one. one. No I one don't know this time. one. No one has time. Jeannie, when you say stroking, like how much um, stroking holistically the lymph nodes, how much pressure do you apply? 
Oh, look, it depends on how much toxin you have and how big your chicken is. But overall, you want to vary how much you stroke your cock. <laughs> all right, now, that's a, all right, nah, top 10 out of 10 set up for that. Which one of you did Disco send you? Who is this? Your gold, Jeannie. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yep. This is uh, this is good setup, good execution. Ten out of ten troll. I'm not gonna lie, better than disco. Tell disco I said that. I don't know who disco is. I don't like going to discos. There's too much vaccine shedding. All right, look, um, I've got to go and uh, and uh, and uh, go and scream into my singing bowls. So, um, uh, Om Shankar to all of you. Remember to have a good stroke. You clearly need it. And uh, uh, I'll be going now. So uh, thanks a lot, guys. Okay. Thank you, Jenny. God bless. I I have no idea whose alt that is, but I'm going to find out. (laughs) So what's going on here? Harrison used to host voice chats on Telegram where people could listen and ask questions about upcoming rallies or they could chat about conspiracies and all the things. But Harrison has trolls, so he should. But he had a run-in with with Twitch trolls at the time who really gave him a hard time. And I don't know how Jeannie became aware of Harrison or where they came from, but they did an excellent job jumping on the cho- the voice chat to have a bit of fun before heading off to scream into their singing bowls. This was shared by Cooker Watch on Twitter. And if you would like to follow Jeannie, their Twitter is at the Dr. Goblin, but they would prefer we turn our attention to a friend who is doing great work in this space. They're called at Real Radhom. He is also a content creator on Twitch and I've watched a few of his videos and he debunks right-wing conspiracy stuff also, but in a quirky way. And I find him really entertaining and informative to watch. So go check him out also. So Soz, do you remember this? I don't remember this one, but I've certainly uh, been in there when when other people have have <laughs> have done that. And the funniest is like Harrison's response to it because you can tell that it's like really really pisses him off. But he tries to pretend that he's like totally not bothered by it. It tries to be like really cool, and he's like, "Oh guys, you got me again! Ha ha! Funny, funny guys, you know." Turn out but, but you can tell like inside. <laughs> Inside, he's like real <laughs> shitty. <laughs> then he's fallen for it again. Thank you, Dr. Goblin, for that one and spreading the joy. They will definitely be watching, uh, listening to this because I've let them know. That was good. That was good. And thank you. I think we both. I think we both wrote things that were funny. And we will put. We will put that video of that lady that we're talking about up on the the Facebook page <laughs> because you actually have to see it. It's very funny. And that is it for this episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening in. If you want, give us give us a follow. Sauce149, Sunny Sandy. Two E's. Two E's. Yeah, two E's. <laughs> Sunny Sandy L on Twitter. We love to have a chat on there. We share some silly stuff and really it's just an extension of the ship posting on Facebook. We're just on there to have a good time and chat about what our thoughts are and everything that we see. So it's been really good. We hope to see you on there. Thank you for listening again. We hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thank you. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. So what we don't have as well is accurate reporting on these bioweapon jabs that are being falsely pushed to the public by the media, by everybody as safe and effective vaccines. 
And we learned from Thomas Renz and the CMS database that some people die, you know, within hours of getting these shots, some within 24, 48 hours, and then some obviously is going to be more long term. Do you anticipate that we're going to see throughout the winters this antibody dependent enhancement and other things that are going to be years down the line where the death toll is going to dramatically increase from these shots that people are getting and then now these boosters and pretty soon it'll be instead of going to church, you just every Sunday you go get your injection and pray to the Fauci Lords. Uh, Are these people going to do you think start? start experiencing more adverse events as the more injections that they get? Absolutely. A hundred percent. Seeing that uh, with the patients that are saying that they're getting these injections. And also we know that um, a lot of the oncologists are saying they're seeing an explosion of cancers happening right now. And the only um, correlation they have are the people that are getting these injections. Um, There has been um, a genetic engineer, nanotech engineer that took some samples of some of these vials, falsely called vaccines, and they put them in with some human cells. And they said that the rate of growth was unbelievable. They've never seen this before, which means they can expect them to induce more cancers that are aggressive in the future. This is the um, um, hypothesis you can make when you see that. So there's many inferences that, yes, we will see a lot of cancers happening. So you recently got together with some uh, documentary people that were shooting, uh, on these, on these jabs. And we got an email from you that you have images here and that you have examined the kid vax, the child jab. Uh, and, and I believe that you said that this was Pfizer, right? What did you, what can you tell us about this? Um, well, this particular Pfizer vial came from, uh, the region of Florida. And I'm saying those things because, I myself, as I examine vials, I see differences between them, between what state they come from, what batch they come from. They're not uniform. That should really make everybody very worried because this is this is not the same what each person is getting. And there's been reports of hot batches of people getting things um, that seem to hurt more people in one batch than another. And just to be clear, that's that's because they are performing the lethal dose experiment on humans right now. That's what they're doing. They're giving this thing to millions of people and conducting their lethal dose experiment on humans and on children and on mothers and fathers and husbands and brothers and cousins because they didn't do it on animals. That's why this is happening. Anyhow, this one came from Florida and um, looking at it under the microscope, uh, we, with the greatest reset, this is a documentary that will be out soon. The producers were there watching and, and um, documenting how this was performed. Um, there was some silicon looking wafer uh, substances that I observed. We observed um, they're iridescent, kind of a rainbowish color. When you see those, um, they can actually be stacked upon one another and they can actually form like a, a chip. Um, in the body. That, that's a possibility. I'm just saying this is what I'm seeing and what is in the ingredient list. It doesn't look like anything that should look like that. Um, graphene-like substances were inside um, of this vial um, that was apparent through some many images. Also, um, this uh, some of them looked like familiar to like water parasite, uh, some structures from that as well, yeah. different um, life stages. So, um, and then also there was a, some ring-like structures, which everybody keeps saying they're air bubbles and they're not. Um, these structures would actually enlarge over time and get some um, malformations in the outside of the bubble and something would extrude out from them. So um, 
yeah, there was, there was a lot of different uh, objects seen in there that should not be in there according to their ingredient list. And um, these are being put in our children. You know, it's one thing, Stu, that an adult makes their decision what they do with their body. That's Fine. right. Yeah. But these are children. These are children. And our, all of these people that we're paying taxpayer money to that are supposed to be for our health and wellness and benefit are failing miserably their, their jobs. Why are we supporting this tragedy and this genocide any longer? I, yeah, I, who, whose parents are leading words. these kids out of a fear campaign perpetuated by the media and all of this advertising. These parents are leading their kids directly to the shop because they're fearing this virus that virtually affects no kids whatsoever. They do virtually nothing to spread it at all. These kids are in no danger. And now it's not enough that we're just muzzling them with these oxygen inhibiting bacteria growing masks all day long. I mean, didn't we learn from the Spanish flu? Wasn't there all kinds of bacteria? Uh, and we found out that what was making people sick was these stupid cloth masks. And now we're doing this to our kids. But now this injection, what is this? What, what are these things, these images? What are we looking at here? Do you have any idea what this is other than something that is not supposed to be in there, according to the manufacturers who are out and out just lying to everybody? Well, if you're looking at these parts that are inside of there, these are parts that could potentially be used for, you know, superconducting materials to be, um, you can actually have inside the human body, an artificial construct, an artificial intelligence construct, meaning in other words, you wouldn't really need your cell phone so much anymore. You could actually eventually have something like that inside of your human body. That's called transhumanism, human 2.0. Um, the World Economic Forum says all of us will do this by in eight years. They have eight years time frame for all humans to have something inside of us, an artificial intelligence. So if that's their plan and all these world leaders are behind it, how do it, how do they get there? They have to do something to us, right? And this is the perfect mechanism, injecting some of these materials that over time that could form an artificial construct that could be a wireless um, modality that you, your body could be wirelessly connected to anything that's electronic around you, your phone, another person's phone, satellites, street lamps, your microwave, whatever. Um, this is a plan and people need to realize that perhaps we've been lied to and perhaps there's another reason why people are getting shots and perhaps it has to do with the eight-year plan that the, the, these world leaders have for everybody. 